You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Wright, and I'm coming to you from Ennis today, but it's great to be here in this room in Waxahachie. I don't know if you guys know this, but we go to church together every week. Isn't that awesome? Even though we're not in the same room together, we go to church together every week. It's amazing. I don't take that for granted at all. I think it's incredible that we can come together as one church in two locations. And not only that, we have people who watch online with us every single week, and we're so thankful that you join in with us from all over. It's an incredible thing that we can all be one church from so many different places. And then, of course, my friends in Ennis, a special hello to each one of you. You know that I love you guys. My good friend Mark, a fellow pastor here, is taking care of y'all today. I don't know if y'all realize this, but coming up in October, we'll, have been, we'll be celebrating our six-year anniversary as a campus, which is incredible. So for those of you here in Waxahachie that don't know, it's gone by so fast, but it's been an amazing ride, and we're excited about what the future holds. We're in a series right now called Summer Heat. So we've had guest speakers come in all throughout the summer as Pastor David has taken a break, taken some time off to rest. We want to say thank you as a church for letting him have that opportunity. I promise you he's going to come back ready to go. And some exciting news, he's coming back next Sunday. We, uh, we're excited to have him back. Uh, but So I'll be the last guest speaker, and how about we finish it off right today? Sound good to you guys? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let me tell you about my brother, Eric. So Eric is about a year and a half older than I am, and growing up, Eric was the kid that every kid wanted to be like. So in junior high and high school, he's captain and quarterback of the football team. He's the leading scorer on the basketball team. In the hallways, he's the kid who can run and do a flip off the lockers. At the swimming pool each summer, he's the one on the high dive doing like double twisting flips, similar to what you're seeing on the Olympics right now. He was close to doing some of that stuff, impressing every single person that was at the pool. He was really extroverted and popular, outgoing. He made everyone around him just feel special. He didn't didn't take it for granted that he had been gifted in all these different ways. Every girl wanted to date him. Every guy wanted to be his friend. Every teacher, he was their favorite student. He was the guy at the school. Not only that, he was at the top of his class academically. So he graduated as valedictorian of his school. And after high school, he went on to the Air Force Academy. And if you're not familiar with the Air Force Academy, they only take a handful of the most physically fit, smartest students out of thousands of applicants from across the nation. And he got in easily. On top of all of that, he loved Jesus and lived this incredible kindness to everyone around him. Instead of being prideful and arrogant, he was just this amazing, kind person and still is to this day. Now, single ladies, I know what you're thinking out there. Like, is he married? You know, (laughs) he is. His wife is just as amazing as he is. I'm sorry to inform you. We can all agree after hearing this, like Eric, Eric is one of those people that's just an awesome, awesome person. Now imagine for a moment the guy that had to be Eric's little brother. This guy. This guy got to be Eric's little brother. So I was two grades lower than him in school, and 
growing up, I wanted to be just like Eric. I mean, who wouldn't want to be, after all the things that I just described to you, who wouldn't want to be Eric? There was one problem. God made me Zach. He did not make me Eric. So it was really hard to be Eric when I wasn't gifted the same ways that he was. For starters, I'm not naturally an extrovert. Now, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. So a lot of us Avenue staff, the ones, even the ones who are on stage, we're not all extroverted people. I know it seems like that. You get up on stage in front of a lot of people, you interact in big crowds. But for me, I've learned how to interact well in those situations, but we all have a natural instinct one way or the other, and mine doesn't really go that way. Now, in high school, I did well academically. I played sports. I had friends. You could look at my experience and say, that's a pretty good high school experience as well. But when you compare it to Eric's high school experience, <laughs> I struggled for a while just comparing myself, feeling like I wasn't good enough, thinking, why can't I do the things that Eric does? And it took me a while, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really start forming my own identity until I stopped trying to be Eric and started trying to be Zach instead. Now for what it's worth, Eric is one of my closest friends in the world. He might be watching today. Hey, big brother, I would never say these things to your face just in front on the internet for a lot of people to see. We're good, don't worry. But for my own personal journey, it took me a while to begin to form my own identity because I was comparing myself to someone else. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, I'm not the only one that struggled with that before. If we're all being honest, it takes us a long time to begin to form our own identities. We feel sorry for ourselves because we see other people that are doing more than we are. We look at other people in our lives and, and we feel guilty that we can't do as much as they've done. All of us have these insecurities that drive our most unhealthy habits. And it takes us a long time. Some of us never figure it out to begin to form the answer to this question, who am I? Or even more importantly, who has God created me to be? And the only way that we can get to that answer is when we stop trying to compare ourselves to other people or we stop worrying about what we don't have and instead realize who God has made us to be. What if I told you that God only holds you responsible for what you've been given? What if I told you that God only holds you responsible for what you've been given? If that were true, how freeing would that be? If all we had to worry about was what God had given to us and we could really grasp that concept and live it out, how freeing would that be? I want to look at a story in the Bible today. It comes from the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is a book in the New Testament that tells the story of the life of Jesus. And in chapter 25, we find a parable that Jesus told. A parable is like a story illustration. So anytime Jesus tells us a parable, he's trying to give us insight into who God is. And that's what he's doing in this particular parable. So I'm going to tell it to you. There was a master who went on a long journey. And before he left, he called three of his most trusted servants to himself, and he gave them instructions for while he was gone. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses, but I want to read one to you because I think it's so important. In verse 15, it says, to one servant, he gave five bags of gold. To another servant, 
two bags, and to another one, one bag. This last line right here, this is so important. Each according to his own ability. We're going to come back to that. Each according to his own ability. So the master left and he was gone for a long time. And while he was gone, the first servant went right to work. He took his money and he invested it. And he took five bags and he doubled it and made it into 10 bags of gold. The second servant did the same thing. He invested it. He took his two bags and he multiplied them and turned them into four bags of gold. Now the third servant, the one who had been given one bag of gold, he got scared. He thought, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to mess this up. So he went out into a field where no one would find it, and he dug a hole and buried his bag of gold. And when the master returned, he called all three servants to himself to give a report on what had happened while he was gone. So the first two servants, they come before the master and they say, Master, I took what you gave to me and I doubled it. I took five and I made it 10. I took two and I made it four. And to those servants, the master said, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been trusted with a little, so I'm going to put you in charge of so many things. You have proven yourself to be trustworthy. The third servant came before the master and started making excuses immediately. (laughs) And to be honest, I would have done the exact same thing. If I had seen those first two guys come up and say, I took this and I doubled it, I'd be thinking to myself, I done messed up. I am in trouble. So he comes before the master and he starts, he's got his dirty bag of gold because he's buried it. And he says, master, I was afraid of you. I know that you're a hard man and I was worried what you would do if I lost it. So I went and buried it and look, here it is. I didn't lose it. I'm giving it back to you. And the master's response, it's harsh. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. I entrusted you with something and you did nothing with it. You have proven yourself to be untrustworthy. At the very least, you could have put it in the bank and earned a little bit of interest. But instead, you've proven that I cannot trust you. And then the Bible says, I'm not making this part up. It says, the master threw him out into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's a pro tip. If you're ever reading scripture and it talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, bad, bad. It's a metaphor that we don't fully understand, but the people that Jesus was talking to knew it exactly. This is not good. Every single time that it's mentioned in scripture, it's talking about like not a good place. So it wasn't just like, well, good try. He's held accountable for what he had been given. This is a crazy story. And when we look at the implications of it, we begin to really see how we find our identity, what God thinks about our identity. Let's ask this question. Was the third servant held accountable because he had only been given one, because he had been given less? No. No, the second servant was given two, and he turned it into four. And he was rewarded just as the same as the one who had received five. So common sense says that if he had taken it, the one, and turned it into two, he would have been rewarded just the same. So it tells us it didn't have anything to do with the amount that he had been given. And I got to think that the third servant, probably when he received it to begin with, he probably looked at his one 
and looked over at the other two and what they had been given and felt sorry for himself. Why did I just get one? How come they got two and five and I just got one? He started comparing himself to the other ones, thinking, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Why should I even try? Why should I even do something with this anyway? But God tells us through this story, this is powerful. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. The amount that you start with doesn't matter. This is incredible. If we can really grasp this and realize what it means for our lives, this is incredible. God is not holding us responsible for things that we haven't been given. It should be obvious, but it takes us all a long time to figure this out. God is not going to be mad at us that we can't do things he didn't make us to do. That's a relief. And I think we need that reminder every single day, but we often hold ourselves to the standard of someone else. We look at what God has given to them and we feel sorry for ourselves. And then it drives this self-doubt to where we don't do anything at all. When all God wants from us is to use what we've been given, that's what matters. And this story, as he's talking about bags of gold, there, there is an aspect of money to this, but it's more of like a holistic view of a person. And money is a part of that, but it's really about your gifts and talents and who God has made you to be. There's so many complex layers that make up who each one of us are. We're all so unique and different, and that's a good thing. And it's okay that maybe we haven't been given as much as someone, or maybe we've been given more than someone else. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The amount that you've been given doesn't matter. What are you doing with what you've been given? That's what matters. Now, I think in order for us to really live this out, there's two important words. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. This is really difficult for most of us. And I think what gets in the way is selfishness. Every single one of us are naturally selfish people. And I think this selfishness shows itself in two ways. As we're trying to practice self-awareness, knowing who we are, what we've been given, the selfishness comes out the first way by obsessively focusing on the good things, becoming prideful and arrogant, thinking that, man, I'm awesome. I've earned what I've been given. I deserve it. And living out that pride. That's the first way. The second way would be on the other side. You look at the stuff that you haven't been given and you obsess over how you're not good enough and you wish that you had been given more. You're looking at what everybody else got and you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're ignoring the good things that God has given you. Now, it's tempting to think that this is humility and it's not. Self-deprecating, thinking that you're worthless, nothing, that's not humility. Because in both of these scenarios, who is the focus on? Self. It's selfish. Self-awareness allows us to get this accurate, objective look at who we are. God has given me this. God has not given me this. And there are some things in between where maybe we have some capability and we, we are kind of good at it, we're kind of not, but it's just this understanding of who we are. 
It's not right or wrong. It just is. In this story, the amount that each servant was given wasn't right or wrong. Five, two, or one. It's not right or wrong. It just, it just is. The servant couldn't control what he received. In the same way, we can't control what we've been given. We were born with certain gifts and we were born without certain gifts. It's not right or wrong. It just is. And this story tells us that it's our job to understand what we've been given and what we have not been given and then to live that out confidently. Don't feel sorry for yourself on the things that you don't have. Don't be prideful about the things that you do have. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. So have this accurate awareness, self-awareness of yourself and live out confidently who God has made you to be. You are enough. God has made you enough. You are a uniquely gifted child of God. You're different than other people. You have been gifted in more ways and less ways than other people. And that's, that's not right or wrong. It just is. You see, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Can you imagine what life would be like if we could wake up every single day without having to compare ourselves to other people, without having to live up to someone's standard of approval, without having to live up to sometimes this own irrational bar that we set for ourselves and instead focus on who God created us to be. It's this beautiful process where we realize we're not good enough on our own. But as we allow Jesus into our lives, he makes us enough. And when that happens, we can live it out confidently, with humility, with an accurate awareness of who God has made us to be. Now, I think this self-awareness can, can manifest itself in different ways in our lives. First, it's just who we are. There's so many layers to who I am. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a coworker. I'm a friend. I'm a neighbor. There's all these different areas of my life where my insecurities manifest themselves. And I compare myself to other people or think that I'm not good enough or that I don't fit in or that I'm not living up to a certain standard or that someone else is doing it better than I am. But if I can let go of all of that and allow myself to understand who God has made me to be, then I can live out this incredible joy and purpose in every single one of those areas of my life. And you can do the same. I'm not saying this is an easy, this is a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly thing. We're all growing in our own identity and self-worth, but it comes from the Lord. And this story gives us such encouragement, I think, because we set such high standards for ourselves or for other people when all that matters is just having this self-awareness to know who has God created me to be. And if we could all live that out, we'd have a lot less problems. Not just in our own lives, but in the relationships with people around us, in our jobs, in the things that God has called us to do in our families, just being okay with who we are. It's the hardest and simplest thing all at the same time. Now, I think there's another way, and this is the one that I wanna focus on today, that we can really live this out that we can really let this self-awareness manifest itself so that we're building up God's kingdom. And that's by serving in the local church. I think 
when individuals figure out their identity separately and then come together for a greater purpose than their own, incredible things can happen. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus, it is your duty to be using your gifts somehow in the local church, not just at the avenue, but in any church, no matter what church you would be a part of, if you're a follower of Christ. So if you're not, you're off the hook for this next part. But if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, it's our duty, our responsibility. And how do we know this? Look at what happened to the third servant. He didn't just say, ah, it's all right. There's an expectation. What have you been given? God has gifted you something. I don't like to focus on the negative part as much. There, there is consequence to our actions, but I like to focus on the positive part. The first two, they were invited into something better. They were invited into something better. That's what motivates me and inspires me. I want to be living out this incredible freedom and joy in who God has made me to be because there's so much, just so many amazing things that come with that. Now, I know when we talk about serving at the church, there's a couple things that happen and we're fully aware of it. You start to feel guilty. Like I should should be doing more. And I hope that we've established so far that feeling guilty is not the point. Guilty is when we start to compare ourselves or live up to a standard that, we're, that doesn't even matter. Or you start to feel resentment because you think the church wants something from you. The church is always telling me what I should be doing. I want this from you. But I'm gonna tell you the honest truth. And I mean this because I have seen it lived out time and time again over the years. Serving is not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. I promise you this is true. Here at the Avenue, we are all about a better way to do life through Jesus. We believe that all the things that Jesus teaches us aren't meant to harm us or to hurt us. If he gave his own life for us, don't you think he wants the best for us? I don't think he would give his own life for us to make our lives miserable. So everything that he calls us into is a better way to do life. This is something he wants for us. And we believe this to be true about identifying the gifts that we've been giving and using them to build God's kingdom. There is so much joy and freedom in doing that, living out our identity in this powerful way. I'm gonna be honest with you. There are a few people at the Avenue who do most of the work. There's a common percentage across across most organizations to say something like 20% of people do 80% of the work. And, and look, it's more or less true here. But when I, when I think about that, I, I don't get mad or angry or resentful. I'm being honest with you. I feel, I feel sad because I see so many people missing out on this incredible gift. The old cliche that says it's so much better to give than to receive It's kind of a tired saying, but it's true. Haven't we all figured this out in life that whenever we're giving of ourselves, there's so much more joy than when we're taking or receiving. There's so much more joy when we're serving others, when we realize that this life is not about us. This is part of forming our own identity because too often we're trying to take God's story and make him a part of our story where we're the center of it. When the only way that we can find this better way 
is when we realize that we're a part of his story. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's always been about God and who he is and how he makes us enough. And so I think this leads to a lot of things where either we feel like we're not good enough, we feel guilty, we feel resentful, all these different things that stop us from living out who God has made us to be. And I think there's something that's missing. This is really the key to us accessing what I'm talking about today. It's two words again. Holy confidence. Holy confidence. There's a difference between unholy, arrogant confidence and holy confidence. So this unholy, arrogant confidence would be obsessively focusing on the things that we're good at, thinking that we're just amazing, incredible, that we've earned and deserve everything we've been given. You know this type of person and you don't like them very much. That's an unholy, arrogant confidence. Holy confidence is using self-awareness to recognize what God has given you, what God has not given you, realizing that you did nothing to earn or deserve this, and realizing that this doesn't make you less than or worthless. This is just what you've been given. And as you take stock of who you are, you realize how your gifts fit into life, into all the different areas of life around you, and you begin to see how God has given you value and worth And how when you access the things that he's given to you, you can use them in an incredible way. You can build up his kingdom. And so you begin to live out those things confidently. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. That is a holy confidence that is beautiful. That if we can wake up and live that out every single day, it would transform our lives in a powerful way. I think this is what is missing for most of us. We don't have a lot of confidence in who God has made us to be. We're afraid to put ourselves out there. We're worried that we're not as good as someone else. We compare ourselves to other people and think that we have nothing to offer, and it's just not true. If you ever have a voice in your head that's telling you you're not good enough, that you're worthless, it's a lie. God has created you uniquely to be exactly who you are. You can't do anything about it. It's not right or wrong. It just is who you are. It's your job to use self-awareness to know who he's made you to be and then to use this holy confidence to live it out in a powerful way. And if you are a follower of Christ, I believe that it's your duty to live confidently in this holy confidence, live out your gifts in the local church. There are so many ways that this is evident every single weekend. When you pull up to either campus, whatever place you come to, there are volunteers in the parking lot smiling and waving at you. As you walk in the doors, there's more people just saying hello, creating this incredible atmosphere. If you have kids, they're getting them checked in. They're taking them to a classroom where there's a teacher who wants to teach them what it means to follow Jesus in a way that they understand. They're giving of their time every single week. As you come in to the rooms for for our services, there's a a team behind the scenes making all this happen. I don't know if you guys realize this, but we don't show up every single week and press a button and then (laughs) everything comes on. There's so many people working tirelessly throughout the week to make this incredible experience. There's a safety team that you don't even know is here. If something were to happen, they're ready. There's a medical team 
in case of emergency, that's ready to respond to exactly what might be happening. During the week, there are people who are leading groups in community. We have our Celebrate Recovery ministry that's ministering to people who are dealing with things that they can't get through on their own. We have marriage ministries. We have groups of all different kinds. We have teams of people who are going out into our cities and our county that are showing people the love of Jesus, not just telling them, but showing them. And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. It's one thing to tell people about Jesus, but it's another thing to serve them and love them in a way that they see who Jesus is. There is something for everyone. This is a group of people figuring out who they are individually and coming together for a purpose that is greater than their own. And as they're doing it, they're realizing that this is making their life so much better because they're giving of themselves. They're realizing that this life is not about them. They're a part of something bigger than themselves and they find their identity in who God has made them to be. I believe that when we figure this part out, it helps us in so many other areas of our lives. We all have insecurities that are holding us down, things that are making us feel like we're not good enough. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I'm gonna say it to you. Here in Waxahachie, those watching online and in Ennis, you are enough. You've had so many different things in your life tell you that you are not enough, that you're worthless, that you have nothing to offer, and all of those things are a lie. When you realize who God has made you to be, you are enough. It's not about what you can or can't do. It's about what God has gifted you with. And it doesn't matter if it's different than other people. Stop comparing yourself to the Eric's of the world and focus on who God has made you to be. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. And you use self-awareness to understand what you have. And as that happens, you begin to develop this holy confidence where you're not worried about what other people think or what they've been given. You know who God has made you to be and you're living it out confidently. And I think when the church does this together, when all of us individually are figuring this out and coming together, there is no limit to what God can do. We've seen God do amazing things here at the Avenue over the years, but I think there is so much more we're creating a place every single week where people can come in and know and follow Jesus. And everyone is contributing all in different ways and the unique ways that God has gifted them for this greater purpose. And when it's done right, it's incredible. And I want to invite you into it. Join us. Be you. Make an impact. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.